You have heard that it was said long ago, about nine weeks ago, by Bryce, about the blessed life being an invitation. You've heard that it was said about eight weeks ago from Frank that, that Christ is the interpretive key, not only to the sermon, but to the entire of Scripture. You have heard that it was said long ago, about four weeks ago, from Brett that God demands, that God has called us to be a people that live with open hands. You've also heard me over the last uh, six of the, the last ten weeks talk about this Sermon on the Mount. We've picked it apart and now I want us this morning to put it back together and just simply to listen to the words of Jesus. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountain, as Moses had done before him. And he sat down, as Jewish teachers of his day usually did. His disciples gathered around him. And he began to teach them, Blessed are the spiritually poor, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek and gentle, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. And blessed are you. Blessed are all of you. When people persecute you or denigrate you or despise you or tell lies about you on my account... But when this happens, rejoice, be glad. Remember that God's prophets have been persecuted in the past and know that in heaven you have a great reward. You, beloved, are the salt of the earth. But if salt becomes bland and loses its saltiness, can anything make it salty again? No, it is useless It is tossed out, thrown away, or trampled. And you, beloved, are the light of the world. A city built on a hilltop cannot be hidden. Similarly, it would be silly to light a lamp and then hide it under a bowl. When someone lights a lamp, she puts it on a a table or a desk or a chair, and the light illuminates the entire house. You are like that illuminating light. Let your light shine everywhere you go that you may illuminate creation so men and women everywhere may see your good actions, may see creation at its fullest, may see your devotion to me and may turn and praise your Father in heaven because of it. Do not think that I have come to overturn or do away with the law or the words of our prophets. To the contrary, I have not come to overturn them, but to 
fulfill them. This, beloved, is the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not one letter, not one pen stroke will disappear from the sacred law. For everything, everything in the sacred law will be fulfilled and accomplished. Anyone who breaks even the smallest, most obscure commandment, not to mention teaches others to do the same, will be called small and obscure in the kingdom of heaven. Those who practice the law and teach others how to live the law will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you this, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless your righteousness goes deeper than the Pharisees, even more righteous than the most learned learner of the law. As you know, long ago, God instructed Moses to tell his people, do not murder. Those who murder will be judged and punished. But here is the even harder truth. Anyone who is angry with his brother will be judged for his anger. Anyone who taunts his friend speaks contemptuously toward him or calls him loser or fool or scum will have to answer to the high court. And anyone who calls his brother a fool may find himself in the fires of hell. Therefore, if you are bringing an offering to God and you remember that your brother is angry at you or holds a grudge against you, then leave your gift before the altar. Go to your brother, repent and forgive one another. Be reconciled and then return to the altar to offer your gift to God. If someone sues you, settle things with him quickly. Talk to him as you are walking to court. Otherwise, he may turn matters over to the judge, and the judge may turn you over to an officer, and you may land in jail. I tell you this, you will not emerge from prison until you have paid your last penny. As you know, Long ago, God forbade his, his people to commit adultery. You may think that you have abided by this commandment, walked the straight and narrow. But I tell you this, any man who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart. If your right eye leads you into sin, gouge it out and throw it in the garbage. For better you lose one part of your body than march your entire body through the gates of sin and into hell. And if your right hand leads you into sin, cut it off and throw it away. For better you lose one part of your body than march your entire body through the gates of sin and into hell. And here is something else. You have read in Deuteronomy that anyone who divorces his wife must do so fairly. He must give her the requisite certificate of divorce and send her on her way, free and unfettered. But I tell you this, unless your wife cheats on you, you must not divorce her, period. Nor are you to marry someone who has been married and divorces, for a divorced person who remarries commits adultery. You know that God expects us to abide by oaths we swear and the promises we make. But I tell you this, do not ever swear an oath. What is an oath? 
You cannot say, I swear by heaven, for heaven is not yours to swear by. It is God's throne. And you cannot say, I swear by this good earth, for the earth is not yours to swear by. It is God's footstool. And you cannot say, I swear by this holy city, Jerusalem, for it is not yours to swear by. It is the city of God, the capital of the king of kings. You cannot even say that you swear by your own head. For God has dominion over your hands, your lips, your head. It is he who determines if your hair be straight or curly, white or black. It is he who rules over even this small scrap of creation. You need not swear an oath. Any impulse to do so is of evil. Simply let your yes be yes and let your no be no. You know that the Hebrew scripture sets this standard of justice and punishment. Take an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say this, don't fight against the one who is working evil against you. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, you are to turn and offer him your left cheek. If someone connives to get your shirt, give him your jacket as well. If someone forces you to walk with him for a mile, walk with him for two instead. If someone asks you for something, give it to him. If someone wants to borrow something from you, do not turn away. You have been taught to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you this, love your enemies. Pray for those who torment you and persecute you. In so doing, you become children of your Father in heaven. He, after all, loves each of us, good and evil, kind and cruel. He causes the sun to rise and shine on evil and good alike. He causes the rain to water the fields of the righteous and the fields of the sinner. It is easy to love those who love you. Even a tax collector can love those who love him. And it is easy to greet your friends. Even outsiders, they do that. But you are called to something higher. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. But when you do these righteous acts, do not do them in front of spectators. Don't do them where you can be seen, let alone lauded by others. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the poor, do not boast about it, announcing your donations with blaring trumpets as the play actors do. Do not brazenly give your charity in the synagogues and on the streets. Indeed, do not give it all if you are giving because you want to be praised by your neighbors. Those people who give in order to reap praise have already received their reward. When you give to the needy, do it in secret. 
Even your left hand should not know what your right hand is doing. Then your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Likewise, when you pray, do not be as hypocrites who love to pray loudly at synagogue or on street corners. Their concern is to be seen by men. They have already earned their reward. When you pray, go into a private room, close the door, and pray unseen to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not go on and on excessively and strangely like the outsiders. They think their verbosity will let them be heard by their deities. Do not be like them. Your prayers need not be labored or lengthy or grandiose, for your Father knows what you need before you ever ask Him. Your prayers, rather, should be simple, like this. Our Father in heaven, let your name remain holy. Bring about your kingdom. Manifest your will here on earth as it is manifest in heaven. Give us each day that day's bread, no more and no less. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who owe us something. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But let your kingdom be and let your be powerful and glorious forever. Amen. If you forgive people when they sin against you, then your Father will forgive you when you sin against Him and when you sin against your neighbor. But if you do not forgive your neighbor's sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, do not look miserable as the actors and hypocrites do when they are fasting. They walk around town putting on airs about the suffering and weakness, complaining about how hungry they are. So everyone will know they are fasting. They don't want, they don't wash or anoint themselves with oil, pink their cheeks or wear comfortable shoes. Those who show off their piety, they have already received their reward. When you fast, wash your face and beautify yourself with oil. So no one who looks at you will know about your discipline. Only your Father who is unseen will see your fast. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Some people store up treasures in their homes here on earth. This is a short-sighted practice. Don't undertake it. Moths and rust will eat up any treasure you may store here. Thieves may break into your homes and still your precious trinkets instead put up your treasures in heaven where moths do not attack thieves uh, excuse me where rust does not corrode and where thieves are barred at the door for where your treasure is there your heart will be also the eye is the lamp of the body You draw light into your body through your eyes and light shines out to the world through your eyes. So if your eye is well and shows you what is true, then your whole body will be filled with light. 
But if your eye is clouded or evil, then your body will be filled with evil and dark clouds and the darkness that takes over the body of a child of God who has gone astray. That is the deepest, darkest darkness there is. No one can serve two masters. If you try, you will wind up loving the first master and hating the second or vice versa. People try to serve both God and money, but you can't. You must choose one or the other. Here is the bottom line. Do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry about how you will clothe your body. Living is about more than merely eating, and the body is about more than dressing up. Look at the birds in the sky. They do not store food for winter. They do not plant gardens. They do not sow or reap, and yet they are always fed because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are even more precious to him than a beautiful bird. If he looks after them, of course he will look after you. Worrying does not do any good. Who here can claim to add even an hour to his life by worrying? Nor should you worry about clothes. Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They do not work or weave or sew, and yet their garments are stunning. Even King Solomon, dressed in his most regal garb, was not as lovely as these lilies. And think about the grassy fields. The grasses are here now, but they will be dead by winter. And yet God adorns them so radiantly. How much more will he clothe you, you of little faith, you who have no trust? So do not consume yourselves with questions. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Outsiders make themselves frantic over such questions. They don't realize that your Heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you too. So do not worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Living faithfully is a large enough task for today. If you judge other people, then you will find that you too are being judged. Indeed, you will be judged by the very standards to which you hold other people. Why is it that you see the dust in your brother or sister's eye, but you can't see what is in your own eye? Don't ignore the wooden plank in your eye while you criticize the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyelashes. That type of criticism and judgment is a sham. Remove the plank from your own eye, and then perhaps you will be able to see clearly how to help your brother flush out his sawdust. Don't give precious things to dogs. Don't cast your pearls before swine. If you do, the pigs will trample the pearls with their little pig's feet, and then they will turn back and attack you. Just ask, and it will be given to you. Seek after it, and you will find. Continue to knock 
and the door will be opened for you. All who ask, receive. Those who seek, find what they seek. And he who knocks will have the door opened. Think of it this way. If your son asked you for bread, would you give him a stone? Of course not. You would give him a loaf of bread. If your son asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? No. To be sure, you would give him a fish, the best fish that you could find. So if you, who are sinful, know how to give your children good gifts, how much more does your Father in heaven, who is perfect, know how to give great gifts to his children? This is what our scriptures come to teach. In everything, in every circumstance, do to others as you would have them do to you. There are two paths before you. You may take only one path. One doorway is narrow. And one door is wide. Go through the narrow door. For the wide door leads to a wide path, and the wide path is broad. The wide, broad path is easy, and the wide, broad, easy path has many, many people on it. But the wide, broad, easy, crowded path leads to death. Now then, that narrow door leads to a narrow road that in turn leads to life. It is hard to find that road. Not many people manage it. Along the way, watch out for false prophets. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but underneath that quaint and innocent wool, they are hungry wolves. But you will recognize them by their fruits. You don't find sweet, delicious grapes growing on thorny bushes, do you? You don't find delectable figs growing in the midst of prickly thistles. People and their lives are like trees. Good trees bear beautiful, tasty fruit, but bad trees bear ugly, bitter fruit. A good tree cannot bear ugly, bitter fruit, nor can a bad tree bear fruit that is beautiful and tasty. And what happens to the rotten trees? They are cut down. They are used for firewood. When a prophet comes to you and preaches this or that, look for his fruits, sweet or sour, rotten or ripe. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Simply calling me Lord will not be enough. Only those who do the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will join me in heaven. At the end of time, on that day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive demons out of the possessed in your name? Didn't we not perform miracles in your name? But I will say to them, I never knew you. And now you must get away from me you evil doers. Those people who are listening to me, those people who hear what I say and live according to my teachings, you are like a wise man who built his house on a rock, on a firm foundation. 
when storm hits. Rain pounded down and waters rose. Levees broke and winds beat all the walls of that house. But the house did not fall because it was built upon rock. Those of you who are listening and do not hear, you are like a fool who builds a house on sand. When a storm comes to his house, what will happen? The rain will fall, the waters will rise, the wind will blow, and his house will collapse with a great crash. Those are the words of Jesus. What if, what if we spend our lives pursuing what matters most to us and what if what matters most to us matters very little to him Jesus is saying that what matters is a life that is shaped by the cross a life that is shaped by the sermon a life that is shaped by these words I invite you this morning to examine your life, to examine your fruit, and see if your life is shaped by this message. We're going to sing a song of invitation. If you'd like to respond, then now is the time. If you'd like prayers of our shepherds, they'll be at the back of the worship center, and we invite you to come and come to Jesus as we stand to sing.